and welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 160th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 599th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, March 12th, 2020, in place of what was supposed to be the postgame show for Indiana's second-round Big Ten tournament matchup against Penn State, but obviously that game no longer being played. I'm your host, Jared Morris. Let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call the way that we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. That's usually what I say right now, so let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Try that again. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. How ironic it is, leading with a segment called the, quote, banner moment on a day when all teams with a legitimate or even long shot hope at making the NCAA tournament saw their dreams end with a single tweet from the NCAA. March Madness has been canceled. Was it the right decision? Could postponing the tournament have led to it being salvaged down the line? I don't know for sure. None of us do. All I know is that every bit of credible research I've read suggests that the COVID-19 outbreak in the United States is going to get worse, most likely a lot worse, before it starts to get better. And one thing is clear. There is no way the NCAA would take the drastic, desperate measure of canceling all of its spring and winter sports if they did not have good reason to believe that there is a legitimate looming threat on the immediate horizon. That should suggest to all of us that we take this very seriously. But my rational understanding of why this decision was made is not the only strong feeling I've experienced since the announcement was made. It's not even the overriding feeling. And look, maybe I care too much about sports and Indiana basketball, but one of my overriding feelings has been, frankly, crushing disappointment for all of the coaches and players affected by this decision, most notably in our own IU-centric corner of the world, Archie Miller, Indiana's players, and especially seniors Devontae Green and Deron Davis. This was their last chance to experience what it's like to play in the NCAA tournament. They overcame so much personal and collective adversity to earn that privilege, and it was just a week away. And now, nothing. Their careers are over, their dreams are dashed. And you can be fully supportive of the NCAA's decision and still absolutely heartbroken that these young people who worked so hard had their dreams ripped away from them. But through the heartbreak, I did see a brief glimmer of light that gave me hope for Indiana's future. And, you know, isn't that what the banner moment is all about, even in its most ironic and even inappropriate moments? Soon after the NCAA's announcement came down, with so many players tweeting their personal disappointment, Indiana's freshmen showed maturity and selflessness worth noting. Trace Jackson Davis tweeted, quote, I'm sick, not just for myself, but for the seniors on the team who worked so hard for this. They deserve more. Armand Franklin tweeted, quote, to my guys, Devontae and Duran, thank you. These were small gestures that I thought said a lot about these two young men as people. In a difficult moment that affected them personally, they were focused on someone else. There's a lesson for all of us to take from that. And there is a positive to take from it for the future of Indiana basketball. The way that you hang banners is to have teams that are more concerned with we than me. Indiana had a team like that this season, which is why the NCAA tournament drought was on the cusp of being broken despite a flawed roster. And with Trace and Armand around to help lead this team next season, it seems likely that such an ethos will permeate Cook Hall and Assembly Hall yet again. 
I wish things had been better for Devontae, Deron, and the entire team. I wish we were all going to get our March Madness. Most of all, I wish so many at-risk individuals, small businesses, and people in need were not going to experience so much strife and so much hardship over the next few months. Basketball seems insignificant right now, but at least as fans, we know that whenever things resume again, we have some young people on our team to cheer for whose attitudes and empathy are worth our appreciation. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Ryan Phillips is off tonight, traveling back to San Diego from New York. So obviously we wish him a safe and successful trip back home. It's been a rough week. It has been a very rough week, Ryan. So we hope that you are sleeping in your bed tonight safely at home. Uh, But here with me are two bracketologists who are desperately hoping... Uh, who were desperately hoping uh, that the uh, that the NCAA at least decides to announce the NCAA tournament field so that their Sesame Streeting over the past six weeks does not all go for naught. Uh, to my left, fun, 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 fun. It is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the crazy last week in college basketball? Just the crazy crazy last 24 hours. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I I really feel like the last maybe two days are the equivalent of a week, given how quickly things escalated uh, over the course of time. I I thought what you said was uh, more eloquent than what I was going to say, but kind of what what I've been thinking about with all of this. You know, we've got here in Ohio, the governor is basically, you know, mandating uh, that that schools shut down for three weeks and and some of those things and it you know I think about my own kids and things that they have going on that aren't going to happen uh, and then you turn to guys like Devonte and, and Duran who have had up and down careers uh, it, you know certainly have uh, have brought out different feelings in in fans over the course of time but I, I think everybody in unison would uh, would and and does feel heartbroken for those guys that that were on the doorstep of, of reaching what they had, you know, all the talk about, you know, that they didn't want to be the class that hadn't gone to the NCAA tournament and all those kinds of things. And there, uh, it was all right there in front of them. I think, um, might as well say this now. I mean, they were, they were a lock for sure. Right. At this point, I think, uh, I, I do think they were in good position. Uh, any, any of the brackets that were, uh, released today on bracket matrix would suggest the same. And, uh, you know, they go, those guys are right there and there's just no, you don't get those moments back, uh, unfortunately for those guys. And it doesn't mean that the reason, uh, for doing it is invalid, as you said. It, it's the right thing to do. Everything that you read in terms of how to, you know, slow the the growth and expansion of of things like this is is to do exactly what all the major sports have done. To do what you know so many have done to to shut down these opportunities for people to get together and uh, pass these things around. And so you totally understand uh, the reasons for it and and acknowledge that it was the right decision. But boy, it's it's tough to. Uh, it, it's tough to think about those guys who worked really hard for that. It's it's not a scenario where you know some of these other other teams. Not that it hurts any less for them, but you know if you're you know Michigan State, you've been there three years. Like yeah, you this is your senior year. This is this is some of those kinds of things. Like you, but you'd you'd gotten that experience. And some of these small schools that um, had not gotten this experience in a long time worked really hard for it. I know there was a guy on on Hofstra, Gary Parish talked about and on the CBS podcast where he talked to him after the semifinal game and was like, what does it mean to you to be back in the finals? And he broke down just to make the finals again after, uh, after that year and, and how hard they had worked. So those are the people that you, you feel bad for. You don't necessarily feel worse for them than the people who are really struggling in the, in the fight against the, um, the coronavirus and all those kinds of things. It's a, it, it's a different level. It's, it's trivial when it all comes down to it. And, um, 
while this will be an unforgettable time that we'll look back on at some point, doing the right thing now uh, will go a long way toward making the future better. But uh, yeah, it's just a weird, just a completely weird time feeling. Uh, I know even last night after we got done with the show, it was like a weird show. We talked about that before we came on. You're just kind of bouncing all over the place. You know, how do you balance talking about a, a basketball game against a, a team that was seven and 24 with uh, a pandemic and, and all those kinds of things. And so I think we bounced around a lot. And even when we got done, I kind of Fred Hoiberg lying in a hospital yeah. bed. Yeah. I mean, so you get done and then I'm like trying to figure out like, well, what did that loss by Colorado mean to Washington state and trying to like put a bracket together. And then I just felt like I just sat blankly on the couch and, you know, did that and sent, sent my stuff into Alex and then just like sat there for another half hour, just trying to kind of process what was going on. So it's just a, yeah. it's a weird time. I don't know that there's a, any other way to say it. It's uh, it, you know, a, a disappointing end for, for Devante and Duran. And like you said, I, I liked what those guys, uh, you know, came out and said, and, uh, I think the future of the IU basketball program to kind of bring it back to why we're typically here uh, it is bright with guys like that in it, as you said. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. As we said, like we can create a run sheet for this, but I don't know where this is going to go. And we'll uh, we'll yeah. kind of just see what happens tonight. Yep. All right. And to my right. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's not so time. Delphi Bracketology is not Mark Turgeon. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite random drops that I've ever gotten from you, Coach. Uh, <laughs> coach, what's on your mind? <laughs> that list has grown exponentially you know, this season, though, yes, I will say. <laughs> um. Just a, a surreal, you know, 36 hours. Um, it's nothing like uh, I've ever been witness to with with the, the speed of the cancellations of fans and then the cancellations of the games and things coming down. Our, our governor has made some restrictions in, in sizes of meetings. And, uh, you know, from a coach's perspective, uh, our high school, is games are still on and I wonder why, but we had practice tonight and it was just a weird feeling, uh, in, in practice tonight where, you know, if we're going, we're going to go to win this thing, but it just pales in comparison to the safety, uh, of, you know, our citizens. So that was tough. And then I was in, um, banker's life today with Delphi bracketology. Uh, I had media availability and I was on the front row right behind Michigan's bench and watching them warm up in an empty banker's life was like nothing I've ever witnessed other than maybe an AAU game in a big uh, environment. I, my son played once at banker's life in an AAU. And it was amazing. The players were doing a really good job trying to self-motivate themselves to play, and, and they really want to play. And then when they were pulled off the court with about 18 minutes till tip-off, uh, just to watch and see their faces and, and utter amazement, you hurt for the athletes. And, and then you, you got to go to the bigger picture. It is, a, it is a sporting event. It is a health concern, and try to remember that. Uh, and then let's talk about the spring athletes. The women's basketball team had a great year, and they're not going to be able to compete in, in their championship. The baseball team, the season is three weeks old and is over, and the work that they put into it with their summer leagues and their fall ball, um, track and field, and, and all of those spring sports – um, from an athletic standpoint, which, which is our show, it is just, it was so fast. 
it was so fast and so abrupt that a lot of people are angry or, you know, we're all disappointed. Uh, I've tried to take a step back and it's just, it's, it, it wears you out. I came home from practice tonight and just uh, fell asleep and just tried to get away from all of that. When you're a sports person, it's very, very important. And, and we're all looking at about two months without uh, our outlet. And that's, you know, not nearly as important as the health but issue. So, uh, going to bring it back to basketball, 20 win season, uh, likely to have been in the tournament, you know, uh, selected on Sunday. I think it was a step in the right direction. Thank you, Devante and Duran, uh, for, for the four years and, and, you know, withstanding some change and some injury issues with you, Duran. Uh, and, and we wish you nothing but the best going forward. And hopefully in two months we can, you know, get back to talking about recruits and, and uh, off-season stuff and be ready to really enjoy next year then and appreciate what we have. Absolutely. Well said, Coach. All right, so here's what we're going to talk about this week. We're going to talk about the craziness of today, some of the storylines surrounding that. You know, could there still be a selection show? Should seniors be given an extra year of eligibility? There's so many things that are kind of being tossed about. We'll talk about some of that. we got a bunch of questions from you guys in the community, uh, and so we will answer those and just kind of, you know, See where it goes, kind of like last night. But I want to use this space right here. We do not have an official uh, an official sponsor for tonight's show, but you know I want to use this space again to reiterate what I said last night on the show. What I tweeted out earlier, you know, there are so many small business. Look, you know, Andy, as you said, you know, it's the right decision. It certainly feels like the right decision, but boy, there's a lot of collateral damage, you know, with that decision. And part of that is small businesses are really, really going to suffer. You know, and and all over the place, you know, and obviously from, you know, the NCAA tournament games not being there, but just on an everyday, day-to-day basis because people are staying home. And so I just want to use this space to implore you, whatever sacrifice you can make, whatever sharing you can do, whatever step you can take to help support a local business, try to do it. You know, for example... You know, Joel, who you guys may know from the Hooperazzi Twitter account, who is in our, our chat, runs the Hoosier Car Service. You know, students aren't coming back. People aren't flying. A lot of his clientele is not there. If you need a ride, if for some reason, you know, you're going to Bloomington or you need a ride somewhere, don't make the same mistake that I did when we flew into Bloomington earlier this year and rent a car. You know, email Joel. It's HoosierCab at gmail.com. You know, give him business. This is a, you know, a small business owner who's going to be hurt. Our friends at homefieldapparel.com, they're a small business, Indiana-based small, small business. They tweeted out yesterday, they are guaranteeing paid sick leave for their employees. And they are a young, growing business. You know, they don't have tons of cash, but they are making that pledge to their employees. So if you need a gift, if you're going to buy some apparel, give them your business. You know, and so like I... It, it is going to be advisable to stay home and to stay to yourself, and that's the right thing to do. But if there's anything that you can do to support a small business, to help them get through this time, the people who run the small business, the people who count on that small business for their survival, it really, really matters. And so whether it's Joel, whether it's Homefield Apparel, whether it's anybody else, and again, that was HoosierCab at gmail.com for Joel, and you guys know HomefieldApparel.com, and I could list so many others, You know, we don't have time to do that, but... Try to support a small business whenever you can. You know, we have to pick each other up. We have to help each other out. That's going to mean social distancing. It's going to mean being away from each other, but that doesn't mean that we can't still support each other. So whatever you can do, you know, let's get through this together. Um, so there's, uh, there's that. But, you know, take that seriously and, and take whatever step it inspires you to take. Um, all right. So let's just, let's talk about, 
we don't need to recap what happened today. Everybody who's listening to this is well aware of what happened today. I think you know we made our thoughts known on what we think of the decision, all of that. A couple thing, a couple of storylines that have bubbled up surrounding it that have not been resolved yet that I want to get your guys' thoughts on. One, I'm almost sure I know what you would say, you know, which is the selection show. Would you be in favor of if there was any way for the selection committee to say get together on video conference or some way to seed the field? And as you know, Galen Clavio, you know, astutely pointed out, a lot of those people are going to have to work at their real jobs overtime right now, so that may not even be possible. But if there was a way for us to get a field, even though it'll never be played and have that either televised or just tweeted out, whatever, just so the players and coaches and fans know who would have made the tournament and you can at least say, hey, we made the tournament, would you be in favor of that or no? Coach, what do you think? I I, I, I see why you would want to do it um, to honor those teams that made it. I, I'm looking at the if you're the first team out, uh, you've already had your season canceled and now you are told that, you weren't going to be a part of it. Maybe you could at least <laughs> try to think that you were uh, in there or made a run to get close and, and leave that. It's, it, it's a tough call. I, I sent out um, a tweet, and I haven't been in contact with any of our guys at Delphi Bracketology, but we're effectively ending um, our major discussion for a while. We'll, we'll pick it back up because um, this is a serious health concern for the United States, and, and, and there's two thoughts. One, you go forward and you provide some outlet. Uh, and if you can provide some outlet to people who, when this is, and the other one is, it's a very serious thing. And this is a bracketology club, high school about brackets. It's pales in comparison. I really haven't made a decision yet on that, but that's the, that's the decision that we're making right now is do we act like it's not a big deal and just provide an outlet or do, you know, and I, I've never been in this situation. And so I think the same thing happens with the, with the selection show, uh, it could provide some some important healing uh, because this happened so abruptly, and there would be no. I would have no problem if that was the decision. This isn't something where I'm angry if they do it or not angry if they don't. Uh, on the other hand, the, the season is over. the 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 committee's probably not meeting, and it wouldn't be a true uh, selection show. the The tournaments didn't have any upsets and. Uh, things of that nature. Uh, so, yeah. you know, the, the, the validity of it to me is not, it's not a valid bracket without playing everything the way it was supposed to be. Um, and if there's some middle ground, you know, and I would, I would be supportive of any decision. Yeah. Andy, what do you think? Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, you've got this weird scenario where there's some teams that you'd be like, you want them to have that experience of being able to hear their name called, but you've got others where the, conference tournament had barely even started. So you're just giving it to the team that was ranked first. And it's like, does that mean as much to, to them or not? And I, I don't know, is it just a reminder at some point that you're not having the tournament or, or whatever else? I, I don't know. I mean, it would be, it would be fun. I would want uh, enough notice that I could really go back. Cause I was going to do, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of additional analysis to kind of figure out where they were. So I'm not sure that whatever I, uh, I published in the, uh, you know, in the, or whatever I finished in the in the realm of two a.m. yesterday morning is what I want to be evaluated against. Uh, if you want to look at it that way, but uh, now I don't know. It just becomes difficult. I think there's, I, I, you know, some people have have talked about. And I don't know that anybody's really said, you know, how some of these networks are going to fill the airtime that they had for that. Of like, do you do something where you at least air some you know classic NCAA tournament games and um, use some things from that? Like, I would totally be in favor of that. I think that falls very much in the like distraction category. You're not really nobody feels 
bad about not making it or make, you know, or, or, Oh, I made it, but I didn't get that opportunity. So it's a harsh reminder of that. Like I, I would be completely in favor of that. I mean, we've got windows of time that everybody's looking for, yeah. uh, at, at, you know, at various times I now have to go to work next Thursday and Friday. That's, uh, you know, so I'd be, I think it'd be cool to maybe do something like that. Or somebody talked about like a bracket of, you know, classic conference tournament or classic tournament games or something like that, where you could go through and, and relive some of those memories. I think that would be a, a great would be distraction. Awesome. Um, I Play them on you... all four different networks. Have the guys in the studio reacting to yeah. them like they're live. Oh my God, Bryce Drew just made a shot. Oh my God, yeah. Harold Arsenault is going <laughs> off. You know, like it would be incredible. Yeah. That's a great idea. Would, yeah, I, I, I forget <laughs> where I had somebody on Twitter kind of talked about some some variation of that. Like, I think that would be cool. And I think that would fall in the kind of a needed distraction for people and maybe scratch the itch a little bit for people who were really looking forward to that relive some uh you know relive some positive moment now on the on the end of every positive moment is one that maybe would be negative for another fan base but um just i, I don't know something like that might be cool more so to me than the selection show of something that would never really uh never really play out but yeah so it needs some way to to yeah. celebrate what everybody's kind of been waiting on and and things like that so yeah, it's a it's a really interesting idea. And I, coach, I think you're right. You know, I I get excited every time someone brings up like, "Hey, let's get a bracket and do this election show." But you're right. Like it it would be incomplete. And would it, you know, would it be valid? Would it be legitimate? We, what do we do with this? Like are we counting this as official? Is it just for fun? So it might cause more issues actually than it would solve. So I I understand that. Now let me ask you this. And actually no, we're going to talk about this at the top of the next segment because we've already gone long enough. So we we will uh, here moving forward on the assembly call let's talk about the topic of potentially granting uh, seniors from this year and next year of eligibility because a lot of prominent media voices have actually been talking about that we will give our, our thoughts on that and start answering all of your questions next on the assembly call stick with us Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier. Thank you, James. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcasts, chat mobbers, or watch those replays and see all the between segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. And we are, I don't know, trying to pick up the pieces from one of the craziest, most surreal, you know, disappointing you know, just to throw in all these different adjectives for what the last 48 hours have been like, because they probably fit. Um, let's talk about guys. One of these storylines that has kind of picked up steam in the aftermath of the NCAA canceling the NCAA tournament. You know, I saw Gino Oriema talked about this and gave it his endorsement. You know, I saw many other, you know, respected media members throwing this idea out there, which is should seniors be given a fifth year or an additional year of eligibility if they want it? You know, I think when you hear this, it sounds great. It sounds fair. It sounds just. It sounds like exactly the thing that should be done. But then I think the minute that you start like pulling the string and trying to figure out the logistics of it, it becomes real complicated real fast. And it's like, all right, this is probably the best way to do right by these guys, but is it legitimately feasible? 
and and you know and maybe you disagree that it would even be the right thing to do but it it becomes really hard to actually see how they would do it in practice andy what was your reaction when you saw this storyline start to pop up that would take the uh, grad transfer market to a completely new level i feel like <laughs> if that was to that was to come to fruition i i think everybody's hearts are in the right place who's trying to do that i do think it becomes a, a lot of questions around you know you've recruited new guys in to take people's places how does that work do you get extra scholarships to carry in the meantime if you've already filled those up what are the academic requirements at that point do they have to enroll in grad school to be eligible and do whatever does it lead to it all kidding aside a rash of grad transfers and stuff like that i mean i think there's a lot of things you have to figure out it doesn't mean that uh in in the interim you wouldn't be able to do that you've got time to to figure out some of those things so um i I just think it's there's a lot more to it than it probably can be made to seem when you start getting into those kinds of questions and um and figuring out what that is so that would be the only thing that i I think there's a lot of a a lot of uh fine print you'd have to figure out in, in terms of how you'd administer it and what the requirements were of the player at that point and how much do you allow scholarship rules to be bent and different things like that yeah what do you think coach you know initially uh, i i'm not they everyone had a full season and some of the senior seasons were already over uh, if teams weren't making the nit or the ncaa or were knocked out of the tournament um you know someone in the chat said only give it to someone uh the teams who make the tournament uh, you know these are all viable options. And, and again, I will say that everyone is, is trying to make the best of a, of a horrible situation. And I actually applaud that. So discussing this is an excellent idea. Um, I, I'm just lean against it a little bit. Um, just from, like you said, how are you going to do it? How are you going to monitor it? Um, and I, and I think it, you know, when you bring in a new group of guys, it's time for a new group of guys. And, and now you got to, there's some issues with it beyond the fairness. I think to argue about being fair and someone missed their, their tournament, uh, I think is absolutely correct. And I get that, but I, I do think the logistics are a huge issue. Now I will say that I think it's more of a spring sport issue than it is a winter sport issue. When you have a senior baseball player who's expecting to play through, uh, you know, the first of June into their uh, Big Ten tournament, uh, and they're told in March that their season is effectively over and their senior eligibility, I think it's more for spring sports where that makes a lot of sense to me because you, uh, for appropriate reasons, the the senior season was taken away. Uh, I think that that makes a lot more sense to me than the than the winter sports. Yeah. You know, and I don't know, it's one of those things like maybe if it was the NCAA's fault or it was like a team's, you know, like there's a clerical error on the NCAA's part. So the tournament got canceled. You know, it's like, you know what? You do whatever it takes to do right by these guys. But it's a, you know, it's basically like a natural disaster. You know, I mean, it's unforeseen. Like, it's just it's kind of out of everybody's hand. We all had our lives disrupted you kind of just have to roll with it a little bit. You know, like like I like that people are thinking creatively about how do we make this right for the people affected. Like you said, the heart's in the right place. But as soon as you start going there, you realize how hard it is. Like, for example, you know, the other big storyline today before the tournament was canceled was like, hey, maybe they could postpone it. You know, let's just postpone it. Maybe a couple months from now, things are a little bit better and you can, you know, find a way to play it. 
and you know Ryan texted us earlier and basically said you know he talked to somebody you know that was you know pretty high up there and there was zero chance of a reschedule like it just wasn't going to happen um, you know under any circumstances because it would be too hard to reschedule and you can certainly see how the logistics of that just on their face would seem impossible. I still kind of wanted to see it like I think I would have been happier if they postponed it and you just hold out hope that maybe someone can find a creative solution you know follow the the basketball tournament model you know TBT they get guys together maybe you do it in small venues like I don't know something but then you've got seniors that have you know maybe moved on to start training for the NBA and it's mixed up in recruiting season and again you just come into these logistics like it's a very tight window where everything goes you know and usually obviously nothing happens and it works but when you throw a wrench into that system it really does make it hard to adjust so you know i i understand wanting to do right by the people who got screwed just by the circumstance but at the same time coach like you said with how you're going to approach it with your delphi bracketology guys it this is just life this is what life presented to us this year and we'll all you know you could say you're going to learn better lessons from how you handle this than you would have from making the NCAA tournament even though it's an experience that you obviously would have loved to have so you know certainly feeling sympathy for those guys for not having that totally legitimate you know but there's probably only so far that we can go to try and quote unquote make it right you know sometimes you just have to move move to the next thing yeah. and, and life's not fair. You're, you don't always get a redo or you don't always get a, you know, a voucher for the next flight. Sometimes you, it, things just get canceled and it's not fair. It's not fun to go through, but it is part of, part of life. And, um, I think we're just at this, uh, with, with athletics right now. Yeah. Plus you also would have to count on the NCAA to administer it in some kind of, uh, consistent manner, which is probably a, probably a question mark. A little problematic. Potentially. Okay. Potentially. Um, so we got some questions here. Let's hit a few of these questions. Uh, so we'll start with this one from IU Artifacts, who said, if there's no tournament this year, this was obviously submitted before the announcement was made, what is the first past tournament game that you will be rewatching to satisfy your hoops appetite? Uh, one in which IU is playing and one not involving IU. So by the way, for those of you, if you listen on the radio, if you didn't listen to the YouTube version, between segments, we basically spent about 15 minutes talking about an idea that we had about possibly doing some rewatches of old IU games, uh, tournament games, and then doing post-game shows. Stay tuned for details about that. But this this question kind of falls in line with that discussion. Um, what jumps out to you, Andy, as like if you had to pick one a one tournament game that IU is playing in and one that doesn't involve IU, what would you pick? Um, There's a lot of options, so it's hard to do on the spot. There there are a lot of options. I mean, I I had said, I think when we did our, our live event at Switchyard, uh, one of the questions that got asked was like, what one of your first, like, more vivid IU memories was. And the 87 championship game, like, stood out to me. I just... Like I still remember getting picked up and like hugged by my dad when Smart Shot went in and stuff like that. So I guess I would go that one perhaps for I mean obviously it's national championship, but also for just other nostalgic purposes for that. To me, it would probably be between that one and the uh, and the Duke game. Yeah. What about non IU game? Do any of those stick out enough? Ah, boy, I don't know. I struggle. I feel like I've got on my on my mind. that Illinois Arizona game, but I think that's because Titus and Tate like went back and like did that one. So I've heard somebody talk about it um, more recently. I, the The Villanova Carolina game that ended with the last yeah. second shot was like a really was a w- well played game um, that we got there. I mean, even last year's was 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 uh, was exciting. I don't know. I, I'd have to think. I'd probably have to think more uh, about that one. That uh, I think 
Ohio State Xavier. That was a really good one. Like Gus Johnson's head was going to explode at various points. <laughs> yes. from when like Ron Lewis did something, and I thought Gus Johnson might die. Yeah. Um, so there, I don't know that I I would probably end up picking more recent ones for that just because they're more fresh in my mind. Coach, which two jump yeah, out to you? Yeah. For, first of all, remember this, Jared. In the next couple of weeks, when people are missing the NCA, this could be a real quick show segment a big show segment for us to really go back and think and yeah. and thank you for this question because what i'm going to do in missing basketball i'm gonna spend a lot of time looking at the old tournaments and say ah I'd, i wonder how this game looked or there's a tight game i forgot about this game so now i'm going to spend some of my time where i thought i might be chasing mrs donsonian actually looking up uh <laughs> some some bracket stuff so that's an excellent question um obviously the 1987 championship game uh comes to mind uh Real, real quick, uh, but the UNLV game is nice too. The the final four that 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 whole run was kind of nice. Uh, when Indiana beat LSU, it, it was not looking very good for a while. And the comeback, I'd kind of like to refresh my memory on that. A, a non IU game. Uh, go back to 1985, Villanova. I, I, was it Villanova Georgetown? Georgetown. Um, yep. Yeah, when they shot 75 percent, um, and Raleigh Massimino, good Italian, uh, coached uh, Villanova. When they were, you know, the underdogs, not the Villanova that everyone knows now, uh, into that 1985 uh, championship game would be one that first came to my mind. Yeah, I think for me, I would probably, if for an IU one, I think the first one that I would want to go back and watch is the 1993 Sweet 16 against Louisville. Because we played really well that game. You've got the great moment with Calvert Chaney getting in Dwayne Morton's face. That was just I just I still remember that watching that game as a kid and just being so hyped up for that game. Um, so and you know that was obviously the last game that that team won, sadly. Um, so that would that would obviously be one. And I think for the you know for the non IU one, I would probably go with a game from Virginia's run last year, so I could rewatch that great team, uh, see Ty Jerome play. I might go with the Virginia Purdue game actually because it was a phenomenal game and it was another great reminder that Purdue just isn't going to make the final four. You know, you can watch the whole thing knowing they're going to lose. So you get to watch Indiana win, you get to watch Purdue lose and one of my favorite non-Indiana teams of the past couple decades, last year's Virginia team, get to watch them and it was a great game. So that's the first one that comes to mind, but the the, the actually the first one that came to mind Andy was Villanova North Carolina, but then the Virginia one uh, came after that, so those would be the two that I would pick. But you're right, Coach. That could be a that could be an entire show breaking. I down mean, one of the games. other ones a lot of people would say was the uh, the Duke Kentucky game when Leitner hit the shot. But it, it requires you to right find some joy in Duke winning. But that was a really good game. There's a a book that I think Gene Wojciechowski wrote about that some some years ago. So if anybody has yeah. uh, has reading, they they time to about- read. Uh, it was a decent book. I read it a while back. How about going back watching Indiana State Michigan State? In hey, that's that one. I thought of that one too. Yeah, that's a real good and, one. Uh, and and someone else. This is all chat mob. This isn't me, but all chat mob. Um, the NC State game with the dunk at the end uh, for the national championship. That would be a good one. And a non-tournament game. I don't know if it's on YouTube. I'm gonna go look after the show. Is when UCLA got their 88th, uh, 88 game winning streak uh, snapped at Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, that would be a game to watch from the start uh, with with my good old buddy Bill Walton. Rode a bike to the game in in South Bend, and <laughs> uh, Jen has. Th- th- this is good. This is good to think about. Good. It really is in a time in downtime where where I've been beaten up, and <laughs> uh, it, it brought that question has brought some joy. So who who was that, Jared? Chris, I you are Chris. Yeah, 
go figure. That dude, now yeah. I'll tell you what, that dude gives more to other people. And that's what's good about this show. And Jared, you start. You have drawn people who give to others. And you mentioned that in the banner moment. There's no one better than Chris Williams, um, who didn't know me from Adam and has just welcomed me into his uh, group of friends down there from afar. So thanks, Chris. You, you kind of put a little spark in the old man. Way to go, Chris. Uh, Jen has mentioned that if there's ever another round of assembly called bingo, which that would be fun to bring back, she said one of the squares needs to say Jared mentions Ty Jerome. That seems fair. Seems fair. We've definitely reached that, that <laughs> I, point, I'd say. I, I, I embrace that. I acknowledge that and I embrace it. Um, hey, what Indiana fan wouldn't want a guy like that on our team? We all would. He's a great player. Um, okay, let's see. Okay, I love this question. So we'll end this segment with this question, then we'll answer some more questions next segment from Max. All right. In a parallel coronavirus-free universe, our Hoosiers made a stunning run to the Final Four. How'd it happen? So the tournament gets played. Indiana made the Final Four. How does it happen? Coach, what, what, are, your, what are your initial thoughts for how this happens? I, I'm trying to get to my, uh, my seed list here. The so, uh, first round... They uh, they beat Providence because uh, Providence just they, they they got all their wins out early and, and that was a close three point game. Then they got to go through a, a two seed and I think uh, we we relive an upset of Duke uh, to get to the Sweet Sixteen. And I'll turn it over to Andy. Oh well, who else you got in your bracket? I had him playing Virginia. I, no- I had him playing Virginia in the first round. So I, your your scenario sounds more plausible than mine would be. We've, we miss out on that epic thirty three to thirty one battle that it would have yeah, been between be IU a, and Virginia. Yeah, absolute rock fight. Um, well, that's okay, how I so, get to the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah. So look, I think part of the equation is probably the bracket opens up a little bit. You know, that's typically when you see a low seed like that that would make it to the Final Four. The bracket probably opens up. Heck, the bracket opened up for us in. You know, in 2002, you know, obviously we beat Duke and then, you know, got to play Kent State, who had, ups, you know, obviously upset some people and beat them. So that's probably part of it. I think everyone would agree. And I even saw some people in the chat mob say this, you know, Devonte is probably scoring 15, 16 points a game. Like he basically, you know, kind of goes off and, and, and you can really count on him for scoring. Obviously, Trace is going to be a major factor, but I really think that the other X factor guy, if Indiana would act, were actually to make a Final Four run, would be Jerome Hunter, and that maybe he averages eight to ten points a game, gets hot from downtown, and you start seeing Indiana playing a lot of lineups with Trace at the five, and you know Race playing, and then Jerome comes in there to play the three or the four to to give you that, and it opens up some things. You know that's going to be part of it is you just get hot shooting. Um, but those X-Factor guys all bring it for a couple weeks in a row. Now, that's not something we saw through the season, so it's not likely. But if you're telling me we made the Final Four and I've got to back into how it happened, I have a real hard time seeing it happen without Devontae and Jerome providing consistent scoring punch from the outside. Yeah, I mean, yeah guard play would have to be – I'm sorry, Andy. No, you're good. Uh, guard play – and let's just say, again, going back to last night, if, if Devontae Green has to leave Indiana, I'm glad he left uh, playing – uh, like he did last night, and and I know it's Nebraska, but the young man had his ups and downs. He got it from all of us. He could at least say that his last game he played a really good game. But I agree, guard play would have to get you through, um, you know, the four games to get to the to the final four. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. I think the, the first thing that came to my mind was that Devontae played like he did down the stretch. Uh, last year, just to just to go through the bracket that I posted, this would be. I mean, this would be 
definitely fall in the improbable category. So I had them playing Virginia in the first round, so they'd have had to beat the that's uh, winnable. Reigning, reigning national champs in a low possession game, uh, high variance. You never know. Uh, then they would have probably played Villanova in the second round. Oh boy. The third round. Oh I know. Yeah, this was not a this was <laughs> not a great matchup. road, which is why this is a good hypothetical. Then the likely third round matchup would have been Duke or Michigan. Uh, oh boy! And then the uh, potential matchup in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four would have either been Archie taking on Dayton or uh, Kentucky up having upset Dayton and played IU in the Elite Eight. So would have been a hell of a run if wow, they ran through you, my bracket. That's why I said I wanted to continue through with coaches because I did not feel that mine uh, set up in a way that would uh, that would that would would work in our favor. Tough teams and awful matchups all the way through. That is that was yeah. that was not kind of you, Andy. Hmm? Not kind of you at all. Uh, oh boy. Some, some episodes of Sesame Street are a little bit scarier than others. You got to be you got to be careful. That's true. Uh, okay, that's a good note to end on for this segment, but we have more questions from you. And so we are going to come back in the next segment and answer those. Some questions about Archie Miller, improvement down the stretch, and more. Stick with us on the assembly call. We'll get to that next. Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. All right. Thank you, Jordan. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup even during the offseason. We're going to keep it going even during this kind of strange time and just, you know, update you with whatever there is to update you on. Uh, and obviously, we do that after every game as well with our post-game analysis email, but we won't get those uh, for a while. But still, you should subscribe. Stay up to date with everything that's going on with IU basketball. Text IU to 66866, or you can go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866, or go to assemblycall.com. Uh, let's continue with the mailbag, guys. All these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. You can definitely still join there. Lots of great discussion happening in there. Uh, we do not have a mediocre question of the week from Jay, but that doesn't mean that we don't have a mediocre question. Because this question from Tim definitely qualifies as mediocre, and you'll learn why in just a minute. He says, so here's the thought. More than one time last year, Ryan said that he thought this year's team would be better, even with the loss of Romeo and Juwan. And with taking in last night's game, he was correct. 20 right, wins. I, I already don't like this. <laughs> That's not a mediocre question. That's now, a poor, I also, poor commentary. I, we don't also, like that. Yeah. Come on. I also dude. know that I also know that Ryan is unlikely to listen to the show, so this probably will never right. reach his ears. But the that's, only, that's neither here nor there. Yes. The only reason or I was, in his words, oh, I haven't had time to listen to it yet. <laughs> yeah. The only reason I was willing to do this question is he's not here. He's not going to listen, so he can't take a victory lap for the next six weeks. Talking not I mean, he will take victory laps about this point. He will definitely remind us of that. But having a listener give him that validation, that would have taken it to the next level. So, you know, it was a terrible question with good timing, Tim, because he's not on the show. So we're able to discuss it. Uh, so he says we will likely be You think he was wound up last night? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was really be wound up. We asked him that question on air. Oh, man. Um, so he says we will likely be sent into the offseason with nothing to complain about. 
Yeah, only to speculate. Uh, can't be much better. Didn't lose the last game of the year. Recruits coming. That might be hard for some Hoosier fans to handle. Time to get quarantined. Boy, that took a that took a sharp right turn there <laughs> at the end. Um, what? Well, okay, so what are our thoughts on this? Because um, I, I, you know, Ryan did say that uh, very often last year, and and certainly the results were better, uh, Coach. So what's your what is your reaction to that point from Tim? Um. I, I think the program is making progress. It's just not making progress as fast as a lot of us would want them to. And, and some of us react to that negatively, and some of us uh, are okay with that. Uh, I just thought we'd be a little further along uh, at, at uh, end of year three when the hire was made. Uh, and I'm not an excuse guy, but there are some reasons why it's not, uh, some injuries uh, and things of that nature and just some – a difficult, more difficulty in merging the the two camps of players than I thought there would be, and I and obviously there's some responsibility for that everywhere. Um, but when you win 20 games and and you win more games every year, you can't deny the stats. Um, the change in offense was due to the personnel, and and the offense wasn't fun to watch at sometimes, and the defense was you know here or there. So you could argue that it's it's not where Indiana basketball needs to be, but I do think. It has improved. The recruiting has been steady. And so I believe that, you know, we're headed in the right direction. I know I'm biased and more optimistic than pessimistic. So uh, I, I know that um, there's some opposition to maybe what I'm saying. But I think, yeah, we're, this team was better. Uh, and, and without those two players, that, that, that speaks volumes for the guys who practiced and for the coaching staff combined, that you could lose that kind of personnel and have more wins, regardless of how it looked at times. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I say it is better and I agree with, the with, with Ryan. Do I really don't put that as a drop? I know. Um, I think that last year's team had a higher ceiling and at their best played better than this year's team ever did. I don't think that's in dispute, but what this year's team had, I think was just a better collective sense of self, you know, to not let bad stretches go too long. And, and this is going to inherently sound like a diss on last year's team. It's not. I just think this year's team had better chemistry. Like they had better togetherness, you know, and it allowed them to not let the bad things just stretch on as much. And obviously last year's team dealt with injuries and some other things too. But I just think this team spent more time playing basketball that looked together. You know, even if it was disjointed in execution, it was together in spirit. And I think that makes a big difference, you know, and plus trace was better than we thought he was going to be. Um, and you know, so I think there are, I think there are several reasons why this team certainly had better success. They were more consistent. Last year's team definitely the better ceiling, um, but you know, this year's team certainly provided us with a more consistent <laughs> experience than last year's just ridiculous roller coaster. Yeah, I mean, I I would just yeah, I would kind of echo what you said. It's it's odd to describe this team as consistent given some of the the ways <laughs> that they played over time. In comparison, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like they were. Uh, you know, the highs weren't as high, but the lows weren't as low and, um, you know, some some building blocks. I think you at least saw things that you felt like you could spin forward versus the way the offense tended to run last year. It wasn't necessarily sustainable going forward. It wasn't necessarily something you'd build off of because it was so focused around two guys, whereas this year, I think there was a little bit more diversity to that. Time has proven me right on virtually everything. Shut up. Shut up. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we got a couple minutes left for this segment. Uh, Patrick, 
On the basketball side of things, my eye test showed IU's offense settling in and being better. Was I just seeing things? I think he was specifically referring to the Nebraska game, but we can kind of take this just for the last few games of the season, Andy. What did you what did you see from the offense? I think he did see them make some adjustments. They started running an action where they would get the guards coming off of a curl at the elbow, and I thought they had some good success with that uh, over the latter part of the season. Um, during the stretches where they really were able to get the ball inside and force the ball inside, good things tended to happen uh, out of that. And you know, last night's game, for sure, you saw some better catch and shoot uh things going on, which was not always the case over the course of the year. But uh, I, I do think it improved. I do think you saw them try to do some different things um, as the year evolved, which I, I don't think is an unreasonable expectation. I don't think it's some kind of badge of honor necessarily to say, hey, you you installed some different stuff as the season went on. But I did think they were able to find ways to manufacture opportunities for guys to get going toward the basket when maybe that was challenging at other points earlier in the year. Uh, by the way, real quick, Michael said, I totally disagree that last year's team had a higher ceiling. How do you figure? We never saw this year's team play as well as that team did against Marquette. You know, this year's team wasn't going on the road to Michigan State and winning that game. You know, you had two really elite players in Romeo Langford and, and Juwan Morgan. And, you know, I know sometimes it's easy to forget this, but man, when you go back and count all the big plays Romeo had in big moments where we just needed someone to go get a bucket, we didn't have that guy this year. You know, and so having that, having those elite talents, when it was clicking, when you had those two guys, and then when Devontae stepped up, like he did in the Michigan State games, like you just, you could beat better teams with last year's team. They just, you know, they could also lose 12 out of 13 too. But like who at their peak played better to me, to me, it's kind of indisputable that it was last year's team. I'm open to listening to other arguments, but I, to me, that's a that's a clear thing. Um, and that's going to have to be the point that we will end on for this week's show because uh, we are out of time. Uh, but we uh, that's going to do it. If you want to see us do the show live, as always, you can join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights, even through the off season. Uh, for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Wouldn't mind rewatching that 2016 win against Kentucky. That was a great game. OG Ananobi on Jamal Murray, Thomas Bryant with This Is My House. Oh, yeah. That was a great game. That was a great, great game. Um, did you, okay, so did you guys have a response on that, on the ceiling question between last year and this year? No, I think uh, when you have a, a Romeo Langford and a Juwan Morgan, you can do more things. Uh, but I also agree, I think this team played more together and, and, and got the most out of 11, yeah. you know, or people on the roster at times. And, Different people stepped up, so so I kind of agree with you on that. The offensive question, too, is since Michigan, uh, when Indiana didn't look good at Purdue and at home against Wisconsin or whatever, it's just it was shot making, and a lot of times those shots were in the lane. So you know it wasn't like I used stretches of not getting the ball inside were a lot less the last eight games of the year. So I do think the offense got better. And then in the chat room, there's a great question too about. The roster next year, are you going to see the, the two post again? Um, or are you going to go to a more of a small lineup that is more what college ball is like with, with some of the wings coming in and 
and, and things like that. It'll be interesting to see if this was a one-year deal um, because of the roster. I would have to think so. I mean, this year you had, you know, you had Trace, you had Joey, and you had Duran. And those are three of your more skilled offensive players. So if you want to get them on the court a lot, you're going to play two at once. Next year, Duran's going to be gone. We'll have to see what we get in terms of a post player. Do we get a good post player? But you would figure Trace would start and Joey would back him up, right? I mean, that seems like the most likely thing. And then Race probably slides into, you know, to a starting role. You know, obviously Justin Smith, you know, could still be there to to do that. So you'll have to see some of those things. But I don't, to me, I don't really see a path to to where you're playing. I mean, maybe Archie keeps starting them because, you know, maybe he just really likes that starting lineup, but I can't imagine that they would play together as much. But you would put Smith at the four, backed up by Race at the four, and you could have Jerome and, and some of those freshman wings backing up the three, and you have, a, I mean... It can be hard to keep Race out of that starting lineup for too long. Like, I get it this well, year, but, I mean, he's one of your best true. players. So. I would prefer Race, but I'm just saying those two would handle and Justin's going to be a senior, though, too. Uh, you know, so it's... Yeah, blah. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I know, but you play your best players. If if Race is better, he no, plays. No, if he's better, yes, yes, yes. No, if I know. If he's better, you play him rather than a senior if he's not better, but... I know what you're saying. No, no, no. I, I agree. You don't give a spot to somebody just because right. they're a certain class. They should earn it. They should be more likely to earn it because they're a certain class. So and, Andy I'm makes a, Andy makes a great point, Andy Stump. And and this is nothing against Justin, but we got to have a three who is a threat to shoot from three point line. And if Justin is who Justin is, put him in a position to succeed, which is posting up, jumping over, yeah. jump, jump hooks sometimes, but. That, that game from the four spot, I could see Justin Smith playing, but we can't have three non-shooters on the floor anymore. I just don't think how that's feasible. I agree, yeah. I was going to say the only way that possibly works is if Race develops a three-point shot so you could get some shooting out of your four-man, but even then, you kind of want that to be a bonus, not something that you're counting on for spacing, <laughs> you know? So, yeah, it's, you know, it's, that's going to be a big issue for next season. Um, we'll have plenty of time this offseason to talk about that. Let's run through a few more of these questions here from David. I keep wondering about Archie Miller's contract with three years left. Is there a point when he is at a recruiting disadvantage without an extension? Uh, I mean, I would say if he at some point like enters a year with one year left on his contract, I mean, maybe you think about this at two years, then he would be at a disadvantage. But And you know opposing coaches are going to use whatever they can. But I kind of feel like I mean, we're kind of at the stage now where it's like, you know, you're in year four. Anybody who's an astute viewer of this knows he's got to start winning. So I, I don't think it's a disadvantage now, certainly. You know, other coaches may point it out. Maybe you guys disagree. But certainly for this recruiting cycle, I don't think it's going to be an issue. Now, maybe when a new AD comes in, if after next year he hasn't done enough to get an extension, maybe at that point then, you know, those whispers from other coaches become a little bit more concerning. And if you're a parent, you're kind of – you know, looking at it like, okay, you know, how secure is this guy? But I don't see it. I don't see it happening before next year. And there's so much in flux right now that needs to be determined anyway. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's too early to to worry about that. I think you get to the end of next year, you give yourself a chance to assess the progress and then determine what you want to do with that. I think once you get past this year, it starts to become a little bigger issue than, or I guess it's now next season. I don't know. However you want to say it, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> 
Um, it's kind of hard to have a recruiting disadvantage when you're taking the best player every year. I mean, the best players see that, and they're like, okay, if TJD goes and Lander goes and Romeo goes, I better take a look at, at that. So the years on the contract are, are at least, you know, there's still enough further. It's still far enough out uh, that he doesn't need an extension. He just needs to keep bringing in good, good players. Thank you. You're welcome, Arch. Uh, I'll email you tomorrow with a plan for <laughs> off season. He's listened to me. It's amazing. <laughs> Let's see from Brian. No, I'm probably a little late on this, but I have two questions. What are your favorite moments of Devontae and Duran as Hoosiers? And then Lenardi projected us as a two point underdog against BYU in the first round. How many points are we winning by? Um, I don't, I don't know enough about BYU, so I have no idea what that matchup would be like. So you guys can take that question first. Yeah, really good big guy. They spread you out and can shoot it. I'm not sure that it's that a great matchup for you. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like all the games that have been really bad this year. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I don't. I don't know how that would. I don't know how that would go. Now they don't play a lot of defense, so there's some chance that you could really get rolling. But uh, yeah, Yoli Childs is a really good big guy. I think he'd be a tough matchup for whoever IU would put on him. By the way, before we answer the Devontae Duran question, I do want to give a quick shout out here to our good friend Libby Torfey. She just said goodnight chat mob, so I don't know if she's still watching us. But I love Libby because she is not afraid to set the world on fire, uh, which she did with when everybody was going through games. And I don't know if she maybe necessarily meant to do this, but she was thinking about games that would be good for us to do rewatches of. And she said, I was just thinking of a fun IU game some of you are too young to have seen. That would be IU versus North Carolina in Atlanta in 1984, Dockage versus Jordan. Be a... Should we do that game? What do you think? No. <laughs> I mean, it was a great game, Maybe. objectively. It was a great game. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? But I appreciate Libby throwing that out there. I do. I do. Um, okay. So, favorite Devontae and Duran moments? Coach, you want to go first? I'm going to... Yeah, you can go ahead, Coach. You know, I, I pick a game where you know Devonte, you know, went crazy this year. Florida State game, it, it was nice. It was much needed uh, with Rob being out and, and and the guard play being, you know, um, not at, at at true depth. I, I think he was fun to watch when he did get in that mode because it was just cheat code on his arm, and that that was fun at the end of last year to go through and. and Watching shooters make shots is fun. Uh, we, we've struggled to do that for a couple of years, um, and, and he provided some moments uh, for that. Duran, the, the fact that he had some good moments um, here down the stretch is, is really pleasing. I don't know that I can pinpoint one, but for a young man who, who had a, a lot going for him when he came to campus and then injuries, multiple injuries, um, you're just glad that he could – uh, play as a senior and, and come in and, and do do some good things and so I always remember that you know 18 foot jump shot last night uh, as one of the last last memories but just glad that he could be on the floor and it seemed like when he was this year uh, some good things happened by the way um, for those of you who might have missed a recent show when because uh, coach you just talked about how it's fun to see shooters shoot I just want to make sure that everybody has had a chance to hear what you said about shooting and the importance of shooting over maybe other more fundamental skills, which is advice that you gave your sons one day. So let's listen to this again from a recent show. I always told my sons, you got to get good at shooting because no one ever gets in the paper for passing or guarding. <laughs> and then no chicks will go out with you if you're not in the paper. 
So it's all about shooting. Don't need to defend. My boys didn't defend. He just scored. I love, I love the disdain. Totally against type. The disdain which, with which you said you don't need to defend, as if that is just like a ridiculous concept. <laughs> so it's all about shooting. It's <laughs> uh, good stuff, uh, Andy. Your favorite Devonte and Duran moments. Uh, I mean, I would say Devonte would either be the Florida State game or the Iowa game this year when he just went nuclear in a you know in a, a really short period of time. Um, yeah, even they run a little bit last year, but those those two games this year stick stick closer. I'm getting old enough where I can't remember things too too far back in the future. So every memory I have of everyone will be from the last three months. But um, and then Duran, I actually was just kind of scrolling back through his game log. There was that Duke game uh, when Duke had Bagley and uh, and Wendell yeah. Carter, and and he was giving them all that they could handle. He ended up with 16 points with six out of seven from the floor, and he got cheap fouls in the first half, and it yeah, totally took us really out of did. our rhythm. Totally, totally did. So uh, that was a good one for him. And I, 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 I don't remember who it was. Was it Rob last year that he really like stood up for uh, when somebody did yes. did something and he kind of got in somebody's face? Um, always just, you know, good teammate, good guy. And I, I think I mentioned this before when we were down for the Arkansas game uh, this year. One of two disappointing losses that uh, I was able to take in in person you know, after the game, like nobody else came out but Duran, and he was still talking to some fans and different things. He he didn't stay out for long. I think they he couldn't. They had somebody come and kind of get him back. But uh, it struck me as a guy who really enjoyed being part of the program. And while didn't things didn't always go from injuries or or whatever the way that he probably envisioned his college career, I, I think somebody who embraced uh, IU as somebody who wasn't from Indiana and. Uh, I, I thought really just embraced his role as a Hoosier and what it meant to people and different things like that. So, I'll also remind everybody that that game where Duran got those fouls and got taken out in the first half, oh boy, he finished. He finished with three personal fouls. Boy, oh. it's a good good thing we took him out, isn't it? Um, Jen, Jen better make sure that uh, <laughs> Jen better make sure that goes on the. That's bingo my bingo well. card. Any two fouls auto, and Ty Jerome. <laughs> auto benching, yeah, auto benching with two fouls. You freak out, and then yeah. Oh God, it totally changed the course of the game. Um, you know, look, I think with Devonte, it is really easy to pick the games where he went nuclear, and obviously those games are so memorable. You know, my favorite, my favorite memories of him are when it was more than about the shooting. You know, I, I think about the two Michigan State games um, last year when he obviously made some big threes and those were huge, but had three or four assists, I think, in each game, had steals and was really impactful on both ends. And I know that there's probably some recency bias involved here, but I, I have to tell you, I think one of my lasting memories of him is going to be getting the banner moment in his last game. I mean, I really do think that the, you know, the three minutes that he played you know, from the under four minute timeout to the the ridiculous thirty five foot heat check three that he put up, in between there, I thought it was the best he had played on both ends. I mean, he had Indiana scored nine straight points. He scored five points. He had two assists. They were great passes. You know, he passed up opportunities to force shots to find his teammates. It was great defense. Like that was the glimpse of the player that I think we all knew that he could be in spurts and he could just never unlock on a consistent basis. You know, but you saw it, and that was a really big moment for it. And so, you know, I'm glad he was able to do that in his final game. You know, with Duran, obviously the Duke game, uh, you know, all the times, Andy, when he stood up for his teammates and was kind of a tough guy out there for a team that it hasn't seemed has really had that, you know, and you kind of wonder how the personality of the team might have changed some if he was a guy that could have played 20 to 22 minutes a game. That was just never in the cards for him. But, 
you know, it, I, you know, I think back to like the Michigan game this year when he went nine for nine and scored 18 points. He had a game against Iowa a couple years ago where he was seven for seven. Like he would just have these games where he just absolutely took over in the post and he was unstoppable. And, you know, the footwork, the scoring, the touch. But really, for me, the thing that stands out the most about Duran is the passing. You know, he had a stretch last year, two straight games. I think it was the Iowa game and the Michigan State game where he had the the win at Michigan State. He had four assists, 12 points in that game, but then he had seven assists against Iowa. You know, and we were always a better three-point shooting team when he was on the court and able to be out there because he was so good. He drew attention down low, but then he was also so good at finding guys outside. You know, and I think about that past. I don't remember what game it was. It was a recent game when he, it was a home game, and he's like backpedaling, and they've got it in transition. He's backpedaling. They throw it ahead to him. I think it was Al that threw it ahead to him. I don't know what Duran was supposed to do with the ball, backpedaling, going toward the basket, and he just gave a little touch pass to somebody. Race Thompson, maybe? I don't know. I, I don't remember. I want to say. Trace. Yeah, I it was Trace. Say it, was, yeah. it was Trace. I think it was against Penn State. I yes. Say. Yeah, it was the Penn State game. And just the vision and the touch. I mean, you know, it. it those two guys had such interesting careers because, you know, obviously we know they're going to go down not having played in an NCAA tournament game, although we will always remember that they earned it, like they were going to make it to the NCAA tournament. But, I mean, Devontae Green is as explosive of a guard as we've seen. Wasn't consistent enough, couldn't do it. But, if you're ta- if, again, if we're talking about, like, peak performance ceiling, ability to just take over for a half, we haven't had many guards that can do that. I mean, that is a really unique skill he brought and Deron Davis is one of the most skilled big men I've seen play IU basketball, just point blank. Now, he didn't have some of the other things that you needed to go with it, but skill on both ends and just kind of natural basketball instincts, he had that. <coughs> you know, like, that's not hyperbole. So those guys, I think, are always going to go down as flashes of just absolute brilliance. But, you know, it, it feels like there was stuff left on the table because, you know, whether it was... Mental, physical, emotional, bad fits, bad systems, like whatever the reasons, they just could never get it consistently. But boy, could they be fantastic to watch when uh, when they had it going. All right, gents, uh, any final thoughts here before we sign off? And uh, there's some there's something about ending this show that I'm really dreading because for whatever reason, like doing this show tonight like this is kind of what we had planned on doing you know with the Penn State game anyway so like just from a rhythm of the day and the week everything has kind of been normal from that sense even though we didn't get to watch a game but I know as soon as we stop the show I think it's going to hit me even more that there's no more basketball and that's yeah you know that's going to be kind of I tough just, to handle. Uh, yeah I would go ahead go ahead Coach. no go ahead Andy no I mean I don't, it, it has been you know, probably laughed as much during this and some good conversation. I think it's, there's times like, like this where there's weird stuff going on that we don't really know how to process that sometimes it's good to have a a familiar feeling and talk to familiar people and just be able to kind of let it all go for a little bit and, uh, you know, have a good time and, uh, and, and joke around a little bit. So it's been kind of a good escape for me at least. And, um, you know, I, you know, we said a lot at the end of the show last night, even kind of not knowing what was going to, what was going to happen about everything that's going on. And so I won't rehash a lot of the things that we said, but, uh, you know, as this goes forward and things continue to change, just look out for one another is probably the, you know, if you make decisions on, you know, how you can help somebody else and, uh, keep somebody else safe, keep somebody else fed, keep somebody else, uh, healthy, then, 
uh, you know, this has an opportunity to be something uh, I don't, that maybe we'll look back on fondly. I know, I think, I don't know what it was. If it was a podcast to listen to, maybe one of, maybe it was you brought up like nine eleven last night, but there was like that sense of togetherness after that, that uh, is definitely one that hasn't been felt. So if there's a silver lining out of this, you can, uh, you know, not get wrapped up in sports for a little bit and maybe get back to focusing on some other things that uh, sports can often distract us from. And, uh, you know, maybe there's a, a positive to be gained from all this. So uh, definitely everybody, you know, look out for one another. You had some some good words about how to support small businesses and other folks that are impacted, find ways that you can help schools and kids who uh, are going to need, you know, school provides a, a structure and and food and and lots of things that some kids don't have that we often take for granted. I know my wife is having a little bit of a tough time kind of trying to figure out how that works for her when she's not going to be the one providing that structure here for a little while. So look for opportunities to, to help those folks. There's a lot of people who are having childcare related issues and do whatever. So I guess that would be the way that I would leave it is just try to try to find ways during this to help other people who are going to need it. Cause there's going to be a lot of people that uh, fall in that boat in the, uh, in the near term for sure. Very well said, Andy. Very well said coach. Any final thoughts? Yeah. Um, I just want to say thank you to everyone in the chat mob and to you guys for, for a lot, but simply calling me coach. Um, there was a time in 2010 where that was taken away from me by, by a school board. And, and now I'm back into coaching and players say that, but being called coach is one of the best things that could happen. Jared, you know how your dad feels about that. I do. To, I do. To have it be extended to our, our chat mob family. And so sometimes things, things are taken away from you and it makes no sense. But over time, things come back tenfold and are even better. And so if I could give hope to everyone this next couple of months without basketball and sports are going to be rough for all of us. It makes no sense what's happening, and sometimes uh, we can agree to disagree whether it's good or not, but it's been taken away, and sometimes what hurts makes you stronger. But thank you for, for allowing me to be a coach and to refer to me as coach. It is one of the best compliments that, that I can have and keeps me going. And so just try to find ways to keep uh, fellow um, you know, chat mobbers and, and people in your communities uh, moving in the right direction, as Jared and Andy has said. Uh, Life is precious, and and make sure that we're doing everything we can to stay healthy, but to also support each other through this. And we'll we'll be around. We're going to try to relieve some of that with some of try to be creative and come up with things to help you. Um, but you know, thank you uh, for a, a wonderful season. Thank you guys for including me here this year. It, it's uh, it, it just hits you hard when it ends real quick. Uh, but there is so much, so much to be happy f uh, for with the Assembly Call community uh, from this side and and forever uh, on th on the chat mob side. I'll, I'll never forget that that's where I started. So uh, <laughs> thanks for calling me coach. It's it's a hell of an honor. Take that to the school board. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, well said. God, I didn't even I didn't even think about coming into this show. This was our like goodbye show for the season, man. God, this all happened so abruptly. Holy smokes. Now, I, I reiterate that. Folks that are in the chat mob listening, and I know that there are, I mean, there's a lot of people that show up for the chat mob. You know, we had 130 some people in there uh, tonight. And it's always so great to have you guys in here live. Your feedback, 
you know, it, it helps the show. Like I try and pay attention to that stuff and it's great being able to see people that are watching the show live and get instant feedback, see your ideas. Cause a lot of times you guys have great ideas in there that we bring onto the show. We try to credit you. At least the three of us try to credit you. I don't know about the other, the other hosts that we have, but <laughs> we, we credit you. Uh, no, he does too. Um, but to all the folks that listen on the podcast too, because we know there's a lot more of you out there that listen on the podcast. Thank you guys just for, for listening, for the emails that you send, for the tweets that you send. And even if you've never sent anything, just for you know listening and helping this show and what we do be meaningful and you know letting us be a part of your Indiana basketball experience. Because uh, it's, it's fun. You know, we talk about it all the time. It's kind of silly talking about a basketball team. But we're here for something more than that, something deeper than that for the community, uh, for the togetherness of it. You know, it's going to be kind of a an isolating world sometimes, um, and certainly going to be more more isolating in certain ways here over the next few months. But it's nice to be able to come on here and be amongst friends. Uh, and so, thank you for that. And you know, it's not really goodbye. We're going to be back here next week at the normally scheduled time. But it is. It does always feel like a chapter of the show is closing when the season ends, and then you kind of move on to the next one. So. This chapter closed, you know, much, much earlier than we all thought, but we'll be back to start talking off-season stuff. Holy smokes. All right. Be safe out there, everybody. Be safe. Be smart. Um, and try to find a way to help people, help each other, like Andy said. We will talk to you guys next Thursday. I don't, I, I don't think we're going to do Banner Monday. Uh, I can't imagine that we'll do a Banner Monday since there's nothing really to talk about with Mike DeCourcy. So I don't know. Stay tuned to Twitter if we do end up doing a Banner Monday, but most likely we'll talk to you guys on Thursday. And if we decide to do one of those, uh, you know, rewatchables or whatever, you know, game watches and, and shows, we'll put it out on Twitter and probably try and send an email to let you know when that's happening. So just stay tuned for that. All right. Talk to y'all soon. All right. Thanks, everybody. Right, Take care. See you guys. To remind pet owners that Progressive covers pets on our auto policy at no extra charge, we decided to make a really cute pet-themed radio commercial. Can you hear that puppy? If you could see this, you would melt. I mean, just the softest fur. Oh, wait. He's trying to open this box now. And... Oh, the box is filled with kittens. If only there was some way you could see this. <laughs> what a glaring oversight. Get coverage for your pets with an auto policy from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Coverage for cats and dogs included with the purchase of collision coverage and is subject to policy terms. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.